Welcome to another episode of The Atheist Experience. I'm your host, Russell Glasser, and with me today is John Icoletti. Hello. Today is Sunday, March 15th, 2015. We are a live call-in public access uh, atheist television show based in Austin, Texas, dedicated to promoting positive atheism and the separation of church and state. We are available through live streaming video at ustream.tv. Um, the official Atheist Experience website is www.atheist-experience.com. You can also provide feedback by commenting on the official show blog at freethoughtblogs.com slash AXP, or you can email us at tv at atheist-community.org. If you enjoy the show, you should check out our related podcast, The Nonprofits. Currently airing on the first and third Wednesdays of every month, uh, you can find links at the Atheist Experience website. The next nonprofits will be aired live this Wednesday, March 18th. As always, the cast and crew of the Atheist Experience will be going to dinner at, after the show at El Arroyo at 1624 West 5th Street, arriving around 6 p.m. Anybody <coughs> who's in town is welcome to come. Uh, I got a couple of extra announcements. Uh, I think coming up after the next fifth Sunday of the month, uh, we're going to be in reruns for three weeks straight. That's, that's the word I heard. So, like, uh, there won't be a fifth Sunday show as usual. And then uh, the first couple weeks of uh, May or April, there will not be a show, a live show also. Uh, but if you just can't get enough of me... <laughs> Or Matt, uh, if you happen to be coming to the American Atheist Convention in Memphis, Tennessee, I'm going to be doing a panel with David Silverman on TV production on uh, Thursday. That's April 2nd, I believe. Um, and also, it is the time of year for people to be signing up for Camp Quest Texas. So if you have a camper, uh, you might want to get on top of that. And also, they always need sponsors. I'm just saying that. <laughs> uh, so, how are you doing today, John? I'm doing well. It's good to be back. I was gone from the studio the last few weeks doing theater again. Ah, and, the theater. Uh, <laughs> yes, and we had a good run, and I'm glad to be back. Okay, what were you, uh, what were you working on? It was a play called <coughs> Table Settings. Kind okay. Of, kind of a quirky... Comedy? Comedy, sort of grim comedy <laughs> about a very dysfunctional family. And uh, it's Great. Kind, of, kind of hard to categorize other than that. It was a All lot right. of fun, though. So it's ended. Are you uh, working on anything next? Uh, not anytime soon. It's a rehearsal every night, kind of big commitment. Right, yeah, so it sounds it's, stressful. It's good to have a break. Okay, 
Uh, we're going to start with Hall in Chicago, although uh, the first thing I need to ask, oh, uh, number four, line four, uh, but the first thing I want to ask Hall is, did you call last week? Hello. Hello? Hall? Hal? Hallie, I think. Hallie? Hallie? Oh, Hallie. No, okay. It's not the, never mind. Hallie, are you there? I guess not. All right, uh, put Hallie back on hold, and we'll try again after the next one. Uh, and give me line one. The phone box is still broken. What can I say? Uh, is this Ryan in Nevada? Uh, yeah. Hi, Ryan. How you doing? What's up? Good, how are you? I just wanted to call and thank you. Uh, thank you, Russell. Thank you, John. And thanks, Matt, and all you guys for doing an awesome show. You've helped contribute to me being a, a rational thinker and, you know, focusing on what I believe and why I believe, and I want to thank you guys for that. Great. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. What's up? So uh, the reason I called is because I have an interesting counter to uh, the watchmaker argument. Okay. Uh, the watchmaker argument for context being uh, uh, that if you... Insist that uh, intelligent yeah. design is what created the world, and you know they, they say that if you find a watch in the forest, then you know it's designed or whatever. Beach it's on the beach. <laughs> I don't care where they found it. Yes, <laughs> well, <laughs> could but, be in the forest too. Uh, I was thinking about it for a while, and I, I came to the realization that the reason that we know it's not that we know it's designed, because uh, I'd argue that I think the rest of the forest or the rest of the beach is also designed in a way, but it's more over who designed it or what process designed it. You know, uh, I believe in evolution and natural selection, and those are processes that do design organisms. Well, to be design in their is kind of poetic and metaphorical in a way. Yeah, uh, I, I but, agree on that. But, but yeah, I follow I, you. I, feel like uh, I, I believe too, uh, in The Blind Watchmaker, Richard Dawkins had a line that creationists love to quote out of context where he says something like, uh, you know, this evolution is the study of things that appear to be designed but aren't, or something like that. Hmm. Well, I was just thinking that a lot of people, like, you know, they, they say that we have the hallmarks of design, where I think I see the hallmarks of design in many things. I just, I'm more interested in who or what designed it than whether or not it was designed. You know, if I see that watch sitting in the beach, I'm not, I don't look, I don't think it's out of place because it's, designed or not, I think it's out of place because it's clearly not part of the rest of the, the you know the area. Yeah, I think actually you can the maybe... watches are going to stand out because of who designed the watches, not whether or not they're well designed. Yeah, I think maybe you can already find a similar response like that at uh, ironchariots.org, which is the wiki, the counter-apologetics wiki that uh, Matt and I maintain. Well, sometimes. Mm, yeah, I actually haven't been there, unfortunately. I've watched you, the show a lot, but I You should denied. check it out if you're interested in counter-arguments to common uh, Christian arguments and other religions, then uh, that... It's got a ton of really smart editors. It's only got a few really active ones right now, but uh, ironchariots.org is the site. Alright, thanks very much. Cool. John, anything to add? No. Okay. Uh, I wonder if the drop button works. No. Yeah, well, somebody hit it. Anyway, okay. uh, line back to line four. Let's give Hallie another try. Or did you drop her? Uh, Hallie? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay, they put him back on hold. Uh, line one. No, two. 
Uh, Nick in Washington, D.C. Nick? Hello, Nick. This isn't going well. No. So, somebody say hello or something. Damn. <laughs> okay, uh, drop that. Go to line three. And hello. So, <laughs> hello. Uh, you don't sound like a Silas to me. Oh, this is Ale. Oh, oh, okay. Ale. From earlier. Yes. Yeah, you're asking if I've called before? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. There was a guy from Chicago who called like two weeks in a row under different names. It's not you. Never oh, mind. Yeah, I'm a girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can yeah. tell. I do have that That's much good. perception. Right. <laughs> All right, good. That's promising. Um, cool. Well, yeah, I, um, I had a couple questions. Um, so for me, I, I did want to ask first, like before my main question is, um, I, I am a, a believer in God, so I am curious to know, um, first, do atheists generally believe in the Big Bang Theory? Uh, I try to avoid words like believe in, but yeah, okay. I accept it as the most uh, as the most uh, well established scientific uh, theory. It's it's hard for us to speak for atheists in general. An atheist just doesn't believe in a god. It doesn't tell you anything about what you believe about cosmology or accept about cosmology. So, you know, my sense is is that a, a lot of atheists uh, are also believers in the scientific method and uh, would probably accept the Big Bang Theory as the best explanation, but there's there's are people who don't. Right. So we're not spokesmen for everybody, but uh, I think the kind of atheists we hang out with almost uh, generally accept the Big Bang as the prevailing theory. Okay. Okay. Um, so then off of that, then, like, how, how do atheists explain... Um, since, like, the Big Bang theory is technically purely a physical event, how can atheists explain, or how do they explain, like, the invisible realm when it comes to, you know, quantum physics, thought, emotion, anything that's invisible, invisible, sorry, but still direct, you know, the um, physical world? It's it's a little vague what you mean by invisible realm because while quantum mechanics is incredibly weird, and it is, I mean, lot lots of uh, physicists uh, have commented on how unexpected a lot of the findings are. It is still basically uh, the the underlying principle that uh, that makes up the physical world we have. So I think if you were to talk to a physicist, and I want you to bear in mind uh, that uh, I'm a software engineer and John is a... Um, software engineer. <laughs> also a software engineer <laughs> uh, who also works on plays on the side. Um, uh, that uh, we aren't physical scientists and you ought to check in with some of them if you want detailed answers to this sort of thing. But... Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to quantum mechanics, you wouldn't find many mainstream scientists making the case that quantum mechanics is like a separate realm or or a different entity from the physical world that we study with science. Definitely. Yeah. No, I definitely don't think they're separate. Yeah. Um, I mean, thoughts and emotions, too. I mean, what what 
um, how is those explained, and when it comes to like the invisible realm as well. Well, see, there's this whole uh, branch of uh, of biology called uh, neuroscience, basically, where people study chemical processes in the brain, and the emotions that people have are generally emergent process uh, uh, emergent patterns in. Uh, the, you know, electrical activity that takes place in the brain. Uh, being a couple of software guys, like, one of my fav- one of my favorite ways to explain this is that, uh, the processes by which a computer runs are very well known and understood by some people. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily me even, because I'm not a hardware guy, but I do know that, um, even though when I fire up a game of uh, World of Warcraft or something, it seems like black magic that's making characters appear on my screen and talk to me. Um, yeah. All that is done, uh, you know, all, all that is the end result of very explainable uh, physical processes as well. Okay. Interesting. So thoughts and emotions to atheists are physical things, then? Uh, they're emergent from physical things, although I don't think you would necessarily just say thoughts and emotions are physical and leave it as that, at that, because there's a difference between uh, patterns and uh, actual physical objects. Like, for instance, uh, I've got my tablet here where I'm currently rereading the fourth Game of Thrones, uh, the fourth book in the Song of Ice and Fire series, Feast for Crows. Um, and I've also listened to an audio version of that where a guy was speaking it, and I've also held a physical copy of the paper in my hands. But A Feast for Crows is actually the pattern of thoughts and ideas that, that were uh, put into... Uh, that that were written down by George R. R. Martin, and you wouldn't say that you know this physical book or this tablet is the story. You see what I'm saying? Sure, sure. So okay. thoughts and emotions are like that. Like they okay. they come from physical properties, but uh, but they're more accurately described as patterns out of that. Okay. So you can do, like, scientific experiments on thoughts and emotions then. You can, yeah. That's what psychology is all about. Yeah, sure, sure. John, do you you want to add anything? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a a good way of describing it. We're not neuroscientists, but I view the brain as a a physical object with chemicals going through it and... Um, our thoughts and emotions are a byproduct of that, and I hate to reduce it to just that, but yeah. um, I liked Russell's uh, description of it being not the physical, but the the process, I guess, as being what it is, and it can take many forms. Sure. Okay. Well, thank you. Okay. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good day. You too. You too. Line two. Uh, <laughs> we've got Crunch in Michigan. Is that your real name? <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. 
It's not my is, uh, God-given name. That's is that a, a <laughs> You don't have a God-given name. There is no God. I know. <laughs> that was a joke, man. <laughs> yeah, but, what's uh, up? Just calling in. Uh, first off, I live in a obviously very, very Christian community in uh, Mississippi. Oh, Mississippi, right. Okay. Uh, I call it Mississippi, personally. But, uh <laughs> I don't have my state acronyms. Yeah, they should, they, should have, those up. they should have put MS instead of MI. Oh, okay, so I do yeah, know MI. Mississippi, <laughs> I call it Mississippi. It's fault. Yes, I got that. <laughs> when I say Mississippi, and I say, no, I said it correctly, it's Mississippi. Right. But anyway, so, you that know, my daughter uh, attends school, and she's ridiculed because she's an atheist. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she has to attend uh the Christmas concert every year. She's in the band. And so it's, it counts as a letter grade. And if she doesn't attend it, she'll get a zero mm. for not attending. But it's it's always started by the band director saying, welcome to the Christmas concert. And notice I said Christmas concert and not holiday concert. Oh, good grief. And I'm glad I live in a community <laughs> where I can still say Christmas concert. <laughs> and, you know. It's just, uh, you know, he makes it very clear that it's a Christmas concert. So she's forced to go, you know, and I, I look at it as like it's a religious type does, of Does uh, he also event. say, I tell you what? <laughs> uh, it's hard for me to stay in my seat. And I, this is the yeah. second year in a row it's happened, and it's very hard right. to not jump up and say, there are other people besides Christians that attend your Christmas concert. Yeah. So thanks for, you know, making me feel... Like, I'm not welcome. <laughs> you know? Are all the songs right. Christian Christmas songs, too, or do they, do they have... Yeah, all Christmas songs, of course. of course. Give all the glory to God, yep. They don't even do jingle bells or anything that's kind of secular? No. I mean, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, but that's probably a reference to... You know what? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so, you had a question about that, I well, guess. It, my question is, I mean, what are the legalities of that? Because I've been trying to do some research on it, and I haven't come up with anything concrete. I'm So I, I'm of two minds. I mean, mostly I'm thinking that, that the guy pushing that stuff in your face yeah, kind of knocks it over the line to uh, violation of separation of church and state. But... What you want to do about that is really up to you because uh, if you, I mean, one thing I would recommend is instead of calling two guys on on cable access, uh-huh. you might want to consider uh, getting in touch with either the ACLU or the Freedom from Religion Foundation right. uh, who handle this sort of thing. Um, don't, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, the mitigating factor is that, <sighs> and... I'm I'm gonna annoy people by saying this, but I mean I went through a lot of music classes uh, in in my younger days, and I've been through I've suffered through my fair share of Christmas concerts, and a lot of but I've also been through uh, learning a whole lot of really good music like uh, Bach's B minor Mass is one of my favorite choral pieces of all time, and it's blatantly religious and um, there. I would say there is a lot of good music that you need in your educational background if you want to be uh, a connoisseur of music. But I would also say most Christmas songs are not in that category. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, agree, I agree with that. I mean, well, most music did start through the churches anyway. You know, yeah, it, well, I mean, really. not necessarily, but uh, a lot of music uh, was funded by the church. Um, well, I'm saying, like, you go way back in history, like the Gregorian and... Yeah, sure. And, but, uh... Uh, so, I mean, you can choose to just see, just overlook it and see it as part of your daughter's musical education and good discussion points. Uh, right. But if you're, uh, if the band director is being really obnoxious about it, like, you know, yeah, we're all Christians around here and, you know, I dare any of you to, to try to, you know, fight this, you might want to take him up on that dare. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, I did think about contacting the ACLU and, and, uh, uh, the only problem, the only thing I'm worried about is that my my daughter would be even further ostracized than she is now. Yeah, um, and I don't want to dis- you know? I don't want to downplay that that's probably going to happen. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it's happened to a lot of kids who have been in the same situation. So you know, you should take it up with your daughter as well yeah, as those yeah. people. Yeah, it's it's ultimately up to her. Uh, I don't want to cause problems for her. So, but I, I I do appreciate you guys taking my call, and uh, I mean, unfortunately. Can't believe it's 2015, and, and and I'm still even having conversations like this. Right. Yeah. Hopefully the, hopefully the world will wake up. Come on, Christians, wake up! <laughs> Snap into it. Yeah, and I'm a, and, and I know you're in Mississippi. I'm a little I'm a little surprised because, but we're in Austin, and Austin's a, maybe a little more enlightened. But my kids had to do uh, stuff like that, and they at least tried to throw a bone to a little bit of diversity. Yeah. Um, and in this case, it sounds like they're. They're really driving home that this is Christian and nothing else. Oh, they, I mean, there's, I, I got them on videotape and everything saying it. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's worth checking out. I, I I agree with Russell that he's probably crossing the line with his editorializing there, and yeah. th- and there may be ways of uh, filing things anonymously. Uh, but ACLU would be able to tell you that yeah. for sure, what your options ACLU are. ACLU or okay. FFRF, and and you could certainly send them that tape, and that doesn't mean that uh, you are obligated to do anything about it, and they could probably give you better advice than we can. Okay. Well, again, I, I appreciate what you guys do do for uh, the community, and uh, thanks for taking my call today. All right. Yeah, thanks thank for you. calling, Crunch. Y'all have a good one. <laughs> and let us know how it turns out. Send us an email or... Yep. Uh, line four. Jacob yes, in Wisconsin. Yes, that's right. Uh, firstly, is, is Matt available? Nope. Um, He's not okay. here this week. All right. Well, Matt is I have something for him, but uh, I'll just speak as though uh, he were in a third person. All right. Um, so, firstly, I want to make sure I'm if you, Okay, I'm not going to pass along the message because I'm not his secretary. <laughs> uh, so, if you would like to ask that question of us, then you're welcome to. But if you want to wait for another week to call Matt, then you are welcome to do that, too. Well, in that case, I'll skip that one for now and go to point B. Okay. Okay, uh, I'd like to bring up that I'm a 23-year-old undergraduate evolutionary psychology or ethology uh, academic. Okay. And uh, my own evolutionary hypothesis uh, in my oldest hypothesis. Do they offer degrees in evolutionary psychology specifically? Yes, sir. At what university? UW-Madison. Okay. Yeah, you're an undergraduate. Right, and I'll be uh, heading over to Cambridge. Okay. 
All right. So, uh, anyway, my whole hypothesized idealization today being this this concept of ill-conceded comprehension, meaning humankind hasn't the necessary aptitude nor literary vocabulary required to move forward any further than we currently are in intellectual and ethical demeanor. You know, it's as, as though we're at this precipice, this precipice not of, not of knowledge, but of our means for ascertaining knowledge and consequently conveying increasingly complex information. I have not heard a point in anything you've said so far. The Big Bang is not demonstrable, but detrimental to human thought and philosophy. It is counterproductive to human forwarding. Are you familiar with the actual reasons why uh, the Big Bang is accepted science? I'm well aware. Okay, tell me about them. I'm sorry? Tell me about them. You said you're aware of them. Just a little bit left. May I finish first? No. I, uh, you just said a thing that was not true, so I'd like you to go back and demonstrate that you understand the the reasoning behind uh, why the Big Bang is accepted science. Well, I wouldn't say it is accepted. I mean, it may be theoretical, but Tyson is pseudoscientific, if anything. If you had any concept of the mathematical... Are you familiar with how mainstream science comes to uh, comes to a consensus? The consensus, uh, aside from large, you know, say board meetings of some sort between... Board meetings? I don't you know, believe uh, you're an undergraduate in any kind of biology. Or your teachers have really fallen down on the job. I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah, I mean, I'm not buying this. It's Adam, the size of a single point, uh, as Tyson has uh, so propagated. You're, you're just going back and reading a thing that you wrote down. You're not answering what I said. No, no, I am answering. I just want to bring that up. Okay. If he says, this is a dimensionless, firstly, the space and then the multiple. All right, uh, line one, please. It's more fun when I get to hit the button, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little more satisfying that way. Joe in Colorado Springs. Hey, I talked to you guys last week, man. I got a question for you. Um, Yeah. All right, so the question I want to ask you is, I've talked to a lot of people. Which one are you? Were you the Calvinist? I'm the Calvinist. Okay. Uh, welcome back. I'm going to limit you to five minutes because uh, I don't want like to take the same callers every week. But uh, yeah, no, just so you I know, just, I, just a, I just had a question I want to ask. Man, I, I was talking to uh, a couple atheists. I, I normally actually always do. Um, and what I wanted to know was, you know, when you get into a debate or a conversation with an atheist, um, they'll say that obviously you know Christianity makes a claim that there is a god and. There is a burden of proof that comes along with that. The, and if you study anything I'll call hermeneutics, the study of language and how language changes time, um, you can get into that too. But it, well, my point is, is that atheism isn't this definition that everyone ascribes to it, that the, the lack of a belief in God. It's the belief that there is no God. That's a claim. And um, I, think that, I think that both parties have an equal responsibility for a burden of proof. If I say that I'm an atheist and I clarify that what I mean by atheist is that I don't have a belief in a God, what does it matter if you agree with that definition or not? I'm just telling you what I think. 
Because that's more or less a definition of agnosticism. Atheism is the belief that there is no God. No, it's not. It's the lack of a belief. Uh, well, John, I'll let you well, take you this one. You've been very quiet. If you'd like to conflate atheism and agnosticism, then how would you define agnosticism? You're, you're, you're mistakenly assuming that they're two uh, distinct things. You can be an atheist agnostic and you can be a theist agnostic. They're not mutually exclusive. Atheism uh, is just the absence of a belief in God. Um, and there's no burden of proof there. It's you're saying there is a God, and I'm saying I don't believe you. And well, but you're making the okay. That's not what the here's the here's the thing, man. Then you're then you're using then 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 you're basically saying that because an agnostic can say the same thing. Uh, there might be a God, but I don't know. An agnostic so an, an agnostic can say I believe there is a God, but I don't know. Do you see, it doesn't give you any information about what you believe. It gives you information about what the person knows or claims to know. Yeah, the, fact that the, the fact that they can also say that, that I don't believe there is a God kind of gets you out of that ballpark of being able to say that. And you kind of have to make a claim, too, stating there is no God. That's what the definition of atheism is. Well, some people claim there is no God, and I would agree that whatever you call that person, they have a burden of proof. But atheism... Oh, oh. But, but atheists, most atheists define the term as uh, lack of a belief in God. Uh, I don't think that's consistent with what the term means then. I mean, obviously, I mean, if you want to, atheism was originally directed towards Christians, so we were the original atheists anyway, so, but, you know, you know what I'm saying, man. Um, I think that if you're going to take the position of being an atheist, man, there there is some burden of proof to prove that there is no God, and that, that's pretty much like I, I understand what you're trying to do, man. I just don't agree that you can't conflate terms and then and then you know, um, well, I don't you can't just conflate. Like I, I don't think there's any conflation. Terms. I don't think there's any conflation going on. I think you just have a different opinion about what the word means, but. Don't you think it's kind of arrogant for a theist to tell atheists what the what that term means? I mean, yeah, and, and I mean, it is kind of arrogant. I'll admit that, man. But we get that too all the time, man. Just up until the person who had me call into your show last week for two weeks, she was sitting and insulting me and telling me that um, and telling me that I was a troll because I didn't agree with traditional. I was here last week. I didn't say that. No, not you. It was the person, not the person. Somebody he was talking to. Oh, okay. So the person who told me, they're in the chat room right now, actually, but the person (laughs) who told me to call in, you know, was doing the same thing to me. So, I mean, I think it happens on both sides. Well, Well, regardless, uh, do you accept that when I say atheist, what I mean is I don't accept belief in a God? I accept that you are not claiming there is no God, but I think that... Okay, um, so what, I mean, you know, well, you're talking to me right now, so what difference does it make what general definition you think, what do you think the general definition should be? Well, I wouldn't, if you take the position of that you're not, that you don't know, I wouldn't call you an atheist. Call you okay, an I don't care if you call me an atheist. I call myself an atheist, but it doesn't matter to me what words you use. Yeah, but that doesn't seem to be what the... Like, I'm just saying, man, that in order to have a clear cut... I think, in who, order to, who would you say is an atheist? Like, can you give, up, can you give well, me an example of, like, a well-known person who you think is an atheist? Dawkins. Dawkins has said, I'm not 100% certain that there's no God. He had this, like, scale where he was like, if... 
if there was a scale from like one is absolute certainty that there is a God and seven is absolute certainty that there is no God, I'm like a 6.9. So uh, if you don't accept that definition of atheist, uh, atheist, then Dawkins isn't an atheist. Well, I've never heard him say that. I've heard him... You, I've heard, it's I'm in the God delusion. I have that book. I haven't gotten that far yet. I'm actually okay. reading that right now. I'm just telling you, it's in there. Um... Can you give me a like kind of an idea where? Because I want to go. I there. read it I like ten to... years ago, so I'm afraid not. But I mean, uh, you you should probably be able to Google it. Like Richard Dawkins, six point nine probably would do it. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I will. I mean, I have it. I'm actually reading his book right now. So cool. Um, and I'm also reading. Um, what is it? Uh, what was the last one that Hitchens put out? Uh, uh, God is not great. I haven't yeah. read that one myself. Anyway, I think if you take anything away from this conversation, though, it's that agnostic is not a separate category. Uh, You can be agnostic and be a theist. In fact, I think if they were honest, most theists would say they're agnostic theists because nobody's absolutely certain of anything. So, so there's not theist, agnostic, atheist as three different things. They're it's they're completely separate questions. Well, I'm going to have to look into that, but okay. from my understanding of the term, my understanding of the term as of right now, it seems atheism has a, it makes a claim and has to defend that. All and right. Can, well, that is that. not how we use it, but we're going to move on. Sorry. All right. You guys have a good day. All right. You nice too. talking Thanks, to you. Uh, line three, please. Nick in Washington, D.C. Hi, Russell and John. How are uh, you doing? Speaking, speaking of labeling yourself, uh, my yes. question is, I'm uh, I'm ethnically half Jewish, but religiously right. atheist, and I feel like when the subject of what am I, what am I, or what do I believe comes up, uh, I feel guilty about saying unqualifiedly that I'm atheist. I, I feel like uh, folks who say raised Catholic might have some of that similar <laughs> cultural guilt. So my question is, uh, for example, how do you, Russell, describe your relationship to Judaism? And is it harmful to the cause for me to, say, qualify my atheism with, with what should be an irrelevant cultural category? Uh, I don't have a problem with saying I'm a Jewish atheist, but then I, uh, I don't identify. Like, every time people ask me, uh, do you have any religious beliefs, I, I say, no, I'm an atheist. So, like, the Judaism doesn't come up unless I really want to clarify my background. And I know that not everybody agrees with me that this is relevant at all. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure David Silverman is from a Jewish background, but he's very emphatic about the fact that people shouldn't call themselves Jewish atheists. I don't agree with him. People can call themselves whatever they want, and for a lot of people like me and my sister, more my sister than me, but people who were raised Jewish, uh, it's... Uh, a relevant part of their cultural heritage. I mean, you go through a lot of stuff. I went to a Jewish summer camp. I had a bar mitzvah. Um, I read a lot of Jewish history, and uh, I feel connected to it in that way. But my sister still goes to a very Reformed temple, and I don't. Um, So I don't feel all that connected to it. And even the few times that I have tried to go to her temple in the last few years... Even the little bit of God stuff that they were throwing in was too annoying for me to stick with it. But that's personal preference. 
Well, that's interesting. I, as I, I'm not surprised to hear that the answer is the your your mileage may vary uh, yeah. between David Silverman. You've, uh, so. I, I, if, if it's all, if it's all right with you, and it sounds like it is, I'm going to keep saying uh, ethnically Jewish uh, atheist, and 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 it, and it invites further conversation. So I'm okay with that. Sure, and that's what it's all about. You have my blessing. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, back at you. Thanks, okay. guys. All right. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Bye. Line four. Raven in Tempe, Arizona. Hi. Hi. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm just going to uh, have a couple of points. Uh, if you have time for more than one, or we could just do the one. Uh, uh, the just first, start with uh, one and we'll see. Sorry, what? Just start with one and we'll see what happens next. All right. Um, well, first, um, I was baptized as a young child actually twice, and... Uh, honestly, it's just about every day, or every other day, or if not every day, I honestly, like, so, like something would remind me of that, and it just, like, it makes me feel dirty and even sometimes nauseous, and, like, and it, I feel just guilty that this was done to me, or that I was a part of this, and I don't know exactly how I should react to that feeling or how I could or what I could do to respond to that feeling. Well, how old were you when you were baptized? Uh, the first time I think I was like six and then like the second time I was like ten. Did you have any say in the matter? Uh, the second time. Yeah. But even I would say as a ten-year-old you don't really have a free choice in that case. You're kind of doing what your parents tell you. Yeah, like I, 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 it feels like, honestly, even like even the second time, like I got older, and I I know now that, like I back then I was making a conscious decision that I was doing this on purpose, but looking back, I can I can tell that the reason I was doing that is because I was uneducated to, like what was actually, um a part of the sect of the church that um, basically took me, I guess. And I feel like I was, like, kind of just by that ritual taking place, I feel like it was kind of just taking advantage of me and the fact yeah. that I didn't know. Yeah, I would agree for sure. And it's, you know, I wouldn't blame yourself for something you didn't really have a free choice over. And, you know, I look at, I was baptized, too, as an infant. I definitely didn't have any choice, but that's, you know, it's it's a ritual, and it, I don't think it hurts you in any um, physical way. I know that, you know, the roots of religion kind of run deep emotionally and mentally, but, you know, I, it, for what it's worth, I, I think you should give yourself a break and say, well, that wasn't up to you. That was something that you kind of had to go through or went through because of your upbringing and, just kind of say, well, that was then and this is now. Yeah, and like, you know, even those of us who weren't religious, we all have things in our background when we were little that we're ashamed of. Like, in the 80s, I thought that Warrant was a good band. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, this manifests itself to this day that I still have this uncontrollable urge to listen to that old stuff in my uh, in my Google playlist. Um, <laughs> am I ashamed of that? Sure, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but you know the the experiences that you have gr- that you had growing up are relevant in shaping the kind of person that you are today, and that's not your fault. Um, you uh, you know you know as you get older and you learn more, uh, you have more of an ability to make a decision and. Uh, throw away some of those elements of your background that you're not that proud of. Uh, and so I wouldn't feel upset or embarrassed about it because everybody goes through that learning experience. All right. Okay. Um, do we have uh, more time to do to talk about uh, my next thing? Um, <laughs> can we make it's, it pretty quick? It's, it's relatively short. Sure. Okay. Uh, yesterday, I actually got into a little bit of a rabble with my parents about uh, creationism and evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of my parents are uh, are creationists, both uh, Christian, and I don't believe that creationism actually has any legitimate evidence other than just speculation. And they think that evolution is necessarily wrong because... We don't know exactly who, like, who or what the first living organism was. They think that because of that, it's absolutely wrong. And I, I brought up uh, things like uh, speciation and changes in specific species, and also that uh, evolution is demonstrated not just in th- in biology and DNA, but also in uh, geology and even chemistry, and they actually said that it was it was a conspiracy <laughs> that uh, the the scientists as like as a whole just the scientists uh, will pretty much say anything to prove evolution because that what that's what gives them money. Yeah. <laughs> so is your main question uh, more on the side of, like, how can I answer these particular questions about, for instance, the first life form, or more on the side of what can I say to my parents to, to get them to see the light, so to speak? Honestly, I, I, I kind of just want to know, like, I'm sure at some point you guys have uh, have had discussions that, have ended up with similar results or have talked to people who have had discussions with similar uh, similar, um, similar things brought up. And I, I would want to know, like, how you would respond to them or how you know how other people have respond to them and how to think about it. Well, you know, to be honest, the way I'd probably respond to your parents is to hang up on them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean... Not not right away. Like, I enjoy arguments with creationists, but uh, if these are people that you're going to be dealing with every day of your life, there comes a point where you might have to accept the fact that uh, their religious beliefs are deeply ingrained and you're not going to change their mind. Um, now, when it comes to the actual arguments for evolution, first of all, 
I think it is probably a good idea for you to actually do some reading of like a good layman's book on evolution. So, for instance, I mentioned The Blind Watchmaker earlier, but I think Richard Dawkins' um, The Greatest Show on Earth, right, is his most recent one that talks about evolution. And he's he's still a very good writer when it comes to explaining science, so I would recommend checking that one out. Um, you can also spend a lot of time at talkorigins.org and... Uh, you brought up the fact that evolution doesn't explain where the first life form came from, and that's true because uh, evolution is separate from another field called, uh, oh man, thank you, I had a brain fart. Uh, yeah, you do some reading about abiogenesis because abiogenesis is a lot more speculative, but it's not for lack of answers. It's a lack of a conclusive way to pick between all the possible ways that the first life form could have come into existence. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, and there's a, I think there's another facet that even no matter how well-versed on the science you are, if your parents are going to say this is a conspiracy Mm-hmm. They're not going to. There's no reasoning with that. With somebody who's not open to reason, uh, it's kind of a rate of diminishing returns. You might just have to say, okay, well, you know, I've 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 done what I can. Especially if you know, if you're dependent on your parents for support, you may just kind of be let it go rather than continuing to engage if they're not open to being engaged in that way. Uh, you know, it's kind of pick your battles. Well, they're actually the ones that started the conversation, so... Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for having me on. Okay. Thank Good you luck for calling. With them. Yeah. All right, you too. Line two. What do we got? Fifteen minutes. All right, we're on a roll. <laughs> Record number of callers today. Uh, ter- uh, Aaron in Houston? Hello? Yeah. Hi, Aaron. Hey, hey guys. Hey, great. glad to be on the show. Love your show. Thanks for uh, having me on. Is this Thanks. is Russ and is it John? Yeah, Russell and John. Awesome. Hey, John, it's good to have you there as well. Uh, I've got a quick question about uh, slavery in the Bible. I, I don't know that I've seen an episode where you guys have uh, really hammered uh, home the the New Testament portions of... Oh, the New Testament, uh, but, right. I'm sorry? Yeah, I, I was about to be surprised that you haven't heard us talking about slavery, but if you're talking about the New Testament stuff, yeah, go on. Right, yeah, yeah. no, 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 yeah, you, you guys have done well. Uh, the, the Old Testament uh, uh, slavery is quite easy and, and uh, uh, to, to, to see, but there's, there's some uh, deliberate obs- obs- obfuscation of uh, <laughs> slavery in uh, the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder why you guys don't bring that up more often, where Jesus calls his, it's not that Jesus doesn't call his people servants, he calls them slaves, like, uh, well done, good and faithful. The word is actually slave, or Paul saying, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm thing. not really familiar with that translation, and uh, like detailed investigation of the Bible has never really been my thing, mm-hmm. but... Uh, like, is there a specific translation of the Bible that goes with that interpretation? Is there? Uh, uh, rephrase your question. What do you mean? Is there? Is there like an NIV or or yeah, something like, like that? Yeah, like one oh. one of the standard translations of the Bible. 
that uses no, slavery. No, there, there no, was none some, of them do. No, I mean, I, then I, not being a scholar of Greek myself, I'm inclined to be a little bit skeptical that every translator has completely overlooked that, since there are certainly words for slaves in a lot of translations in a lot of places. It, it, and exactly, and that's that's kind of where I'm going. There's there's okay. a, a, a book out, or it's not really a book; it's more like a pamphlet called "Slave" uh, by John MacArthur, where he points this out. John MacArthur's a a fundamentalist Christian, um, but it, it also in the Kittle, uh, which is the the uh, number one Greek translator, um, it says the word "doulos" is slave, only slave. Okay, and those words in the Bible. That, that are used as servants sometimes um, only mean slaves. All right. So, okay. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, I found it interesting as well. I've, I've written you guys an email on that as well, and I've talked to some of my friends about this, and a lot of people don't know it. So um, I think it's a, it's a good kind of a, a quiver to have, uh, or another arrow in your quiver to, to talk to some Christians about the, the slavery that, that Jesus... To be called. honest, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I kind of doubt that I will be bringing that up with anybody uh, simply because it it's too much. Like, Wikipedia likes to disallow original research, so to speak, um, <laughs> where... Where, like, my, my general feeling when it comes to science is I don't cite really obscure, uh, one-off scientific, uh, hypotheses as accurate because I'm not in that field, uh, and I don't have really the authority to say that mainstream science is wrong. And I kind of feel the same way about Greek translation in this case. Like, you might be right, but it would be really hard for me to back that up. And it's such a minor point anyway. Like, I tend to not worry that much about going over the fine details of, you know, what what the meaning of this word or that word in the Bible is and just kind of throw the whole Bible on the table and be like, why do I care about this book in the first place? Uh, okay, okay, all good points, all good points. I, uh, like I said, I, I guess... Um uh, from uh, your your scientific the scientific perspective of of not citing some obscure stuff, uh, I agree with that. But um, I mean, if you're looking back in the history of the Bible, and I know you said that, that you're not a scholar yourself, I'm not a scholar myself. I've just read a lot on it. Um, but I, I, I would say that that's an, uh, yet another interesting fact of um, reasons to to not buy into it. So, especially from the slavery perspective, where where a lot of people will say, "Well, the, the New Testament uh, has tried to to abolish that," you know, where where. Um, yeah, where no, I mean, I certainly a, don't think true. that the New Testament made any effort to say that slavery was a no-no. I mean, you know, a lot of stuff in Paul uh, and even some of the Gospels, they go out of their way to say like. You know, slaves should continue to obey their masters and be the best darn slave they can be. Uh, so exactly. it definitely is not the case that the New Testament overrides slavery. I think we're on the same page there. I'm just not really sure about this one translation point you've made. Well, it's not a one translation point. Like I said, it is the translation. Yeah. So okay. It's, and it's just, an, it, like I said, it's, a, it's an interesting fact that that, 
that right. that translation or yes. the translation. I hear, I hear what oh, you have sorry. said now. All right. All okay. right, guys. Thanks so much. Hey, well, one more question, if you would, if you guys get some time on the on the show. I've wondered a little bit about you, Russ. Um, you said that you're from a, a non-religious family. Uh, is Why would you uh, – what drove you into this type of show? What, what, uh, what motivates you uh, for this type of show? And I'll take that. If you could just speak a couple minutes on that, I'd love to hear it. So. Okay. Uh, I mean, I was uh, – like, I, I spent some of my formative years in Auburn, Alabama, so you can't just be a casual atheist there. Um, hmm. And I also uh, spent three years going through a Lincoln-Douglas debate in high school. So, I mean, really, I've always been a little bit of a polemicist, and I was kind of an early adopter of the Internet, I think. So there, there's a lot of good fighting to be had there. It, it was just a good fit for me. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks. You have a good day. Bye. Thanks, Aaron. What about you, John? What got you into the atheist experience? Um, probably a, a sense of outreach to, to other atheists and people who are calling in and um, mm-hmm. have questions or, or looking for support. Or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a Bible scholar and haven't even read the thing cover to cover, so that kind of thing, uh, I'm not much good at answering. You know, yeah, it could be slave, it could be not. I, if I got in a biblical debate with somebody, I'd fail miserably. <laughs> and I know that, so I don't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good outreach. It's a good, it's good to have people who are kind of willing to be out atheists and, and, uh, help people who are in parts of the country like Mississippi where you, you get, a, you can get a lot of harassment. And I think those of us who, who are able to, uh, it's good to kind of, uh, to help society realize that there's atheists out there and we're not all horrible baby eaters. and uh, Sure. It helps the people who are, still have to be in the closet. Uh, yeah, feel, and our email like definitely support. reflects that. Yeah. Uh, line one. Tara in Bale City, Virginia. Oh, hey. Hi. Um, You're probably going to be our last caller, so... What's up? Oh, I, I got on the show. That's cool. I um, uh, sorry. I uh, saw some of your videos on YouTube, and mm-hmm. I was curious about a couple things. Um, I actually don't know anybody who's told me that they're an atheist, and I was wondering. Like, I've had many times in my life where I have gotten to the point where I've wondered, like, whether God existed or not, and Typically, when I think about it, when I think about the idea of God not existing, I get I get this overwhelming feeling of like it feels so so empty. And I was always wondering how. Um, I just it just kind of feels like a it would be kind of a purposeless way to live. And I know that's not how people feel mm-hmm. when they're. That's not how I see people who who say that they're atheists that they say, but I just can't imagine like like how what do you do about that? Like, would you ever think about it? Just kind of not think about like that things are going to kind of end. Yeah, we got a few minutes left. You want to take turns on short answers? Or yeah, what? we'll have to be real short. Okay. Um, 
I don't think that people get their uh, purpose and drive in life from God, even if they often say they do. I mean, people uh, people strive for a lot of things in their lives. They um, uh, they work to uh, be the best at their job they can be. They they look for uh, companionship and friendship, and uh, you know, a, a great sex partner. <laughs> um, there, there are a lot of different things that make people happy. You know, there, there, is, there are wonderful things in this world, like good food and entertainment and, uh, and travel and reading good books. And there are a lot of goals that people choose to set for themselves. And all those things can be, can be used to imbue your life with meaning and purpose, as well as that part of yourself that that sticks there, in other people's minds after you're gone. Uh, there's a, a parable um, that Jesus that Jesus taught, and one of the things that he in the parable, a man decides to build up um, a couple storehouses for his for his mm-hmm. grain, and he decides that he's going to store up his grain, and at the end of the day, he's going to sit back and relax, and he decides that that's going to be the point of his life. But literally, literally, right when he got to that point where he has achieved what he wanted to achieve, he 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 was struck down dead. You know, okay. he, he was at the end of his life, and none of that even mattered. But and this is actually one of the problems that I have with religion, which is that really it's a profoundly negative message in a lot of ways. Because uh, a lot of things that people do take pleasure and satisfaction out of in life, religion will... Uh, basically crap on and say and say oh that's actually useless and terrible and and the only thing that can make you happy is uh is your belief in god and i know a lot of unhappy mm-hmm. religious people i don't think that the point of it um and i know unhappy religious we're, people too we're gonna um, run out of time you want to hang around on hold for a bit and uh yeah, we'll pick you yeah, up can... afterwards uh, uh, after the show? Yeah, yeah we, 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 we have an after, after show. show. Anyway, that's our show. Uh, we'll be at El Arroyo in half an hour. And thanks, John, for being on. Sorry sure. I rushed. <laughs> oh, no problem. Okay. Uh, see you next week.